as behavioral health care providers, it's absolutely a, our responsibility and a very big one to share not just our resources on, oh, here's New Waters and this is what we do in, a, in an elevator pitch, but to have the specific information. I mean, Graham, when you sent me the list of what you guys are providing in that assessment, I, I didn't care that it didn't have the logo on it yet. I've sent that to people because that's what they wanna know. Right. They need to know that to, to yeah. send their loved one here or to send their client here or to send, and that's all that matters. Good afternoon. My name is Graham Durge, and I'm the founder and CEO of New Waters Recovery in Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome to our weekly podcast, Finding New Waters. Our goal in creating Finding New Waters is to provide a resource for families to help navigate the complexities of supporting a loved one struggling with substance use or mental health. When we find ourselves in crisis due to one of these issues, most people have no idea where to turn. We hope to shed some light onto what is often the darkest hour for many families. Laura Coons began working in the field of behavioral health care in 2009. Over the past 14 years, she's worked in various business development and leadership roles while representing several of the nation's top treatment providers. She's built partnerships with respected professionals and organizations inside and outside of the behavioral health industry. She's helped thousands of individuals and families in need and is a dedicated mental health advocate. In 2015, she founded a support group for parents of addicted children in her hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio, called Parents Helping Parents. She then served on the WCPO Heroin Task Force, where she, where she uh, authored several published articles on the opiate epidemic and its effects within communities. In 2017, Laura co-presented with the captain of Palm Beach County Fire Rescue to the International Downtown Association, educating city leaders across the world on community solutions to the opiate crisis. In 2020, Laura became the founder and co-chair of Jupiter Recovery Day, a local mental health awareness initiative. As a result, Laura was recognized in 2021 by the Palm Beach County uh, Moms Collective as a Palm Beach County superhero. In addition to her community work, Laura has founded and led several successful behavioral health care networking groups, one of which is heading into its ninth consecutive year. For the last eight years, Laura has proudly represented Futures Recovery Healthcare, a highly respected behavioral health care provider located in Tequesta, Florida. Currently, she oversees external relations and key partnerships on behalf of Futures and was recently named vice president of their newly launched sister company, Spearance. Laura has an education in organizational leadership from the University of Cincinnati and Penn State World Campus. She consistently participates in leadership and emotional health workshops in order to practice what she preaches as a mental health care leader. Laura strongly believes that self-awareness and proactive mental health are vital in the creation and maintenance of a healthy and productive workplace. So welcome, Laura. It is so nice to have you here. And, and uh, obviously, we've got a lot of deep connections and have known each other for years. Um, so, so nice to have you on the podcast today. And, and welcome to Finding New Waters. Thanks for having me. Of course. And we've got Dr. Hong here as well, who is our, our medical director here at New Waters Recovery. Hi, Dr. Good to meet you, Laura. Good to be here with you. Nice to meet you. Fantastic. Yep. It's an honor. So, Laura, I wanted to uh, kind of start today and and just kind of give us a little bit of background on how did you get into this field? I, I find it always very interesting to understand, you know, how people found their way into the behavioral health and mental health field, uh, because it's just not something that a lot of people seek out. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I always love knowing that about people as well. Um, and and yeah, my, my story is pretty non-traditional. I, I didn't seek this. I didn't go to school for this. I sort of landed here um, and, and connected with it. So I, back in 2008, um, well, first of all, my background is sales and marketing. And I was um, in the residential real estate industry prior to relocating to South Florida in 2008. Um, I, I, at that time I was working for a water company. So we sold stainless steel and reverse osmosis water systems to healthcare, you know, large healthcare systems, um, hotels. And back then, you know, we were one of the only companies that we know of doing it. Now these machines are everywhere. Um, but someone in my office said, you know, this rehab industry is really getting big down here and, you know, somebody should be calling on these treatment centers. Um, mm -hmm. I had no frame of reference at all for, for treatment centers. Oddly enough, um, you know, no coincidences, I, I myself had found recovery about a year prior, but I had not gone to treatment. I found um, a, a recovery some support group that I really connected with and fell in love with and uh, did not really know much about treatment at all, but had some connection to recovery. So I said, I'll do it. And I called on a, a newly opened center in Delray Beach, Florida, and uh, through selling them several of these machines, the owner offered me a marketing position. <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember I remember saying to him, um, how would you market this? I, I, I did not get it. It didn't connect at all. Um, so I said, you know, no, thank you. I'm happy with what I'm doing. And about a month later, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I remembered the offer and I, I called him back and I said, I'd like to learn more about that. So I ended up taking the, I ended up taking the position and it, it was right at the beginning of the boom of, of the industry in South Florida. And back then, um, you know, people that were in a business development role uh, di didn't didn't look like me. It was a lot of, uh, I would say, middle-aged to older males. Um, I had no idea what I was getting into in, in any sense of it, um, you know, but had the, re the, the connection to recovery and the, and the commitment to learn. So, you know, from, from then, um, I'd been, I'd been very blessed. And about a year and a half later, I, I found my way to, um, a nationally recognized company that had four locations across the U S, um, was very well respected. And I worked on a team of people that just absolutely blew my mind. Uh, in order to even get that position, I had to write a 32 page <laughs> business plan to interview, um, and they put, they put me in front of their executive team, flew me up to Nashville, put me in front of their executive team. Um, and, and I got the job. So, so that's how I stayed in the I like field. That. I would say <laughs> I was, I was blessed to, to find my way to really quality providers right away. And, um, right. I've been blessed in my career to, to stay on that trajectory. I might steal that. I like that. Writing a 32 page <laughs> business plan for your interview. <laughs> Sounds sounds like you could get some good info out of that. It's oh uh, that's Lord. interesting. Yeah, but, I um, PowerPoint and everything. 
That's wow. awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, and, and I've just seen you grow and I knew you back then, right. When you, when you obviously entered, uh, in recovery and, um, and we've been, you know, very close ever since then. And, uh, it's been pretty amazing to see you grow through this entire process and have children and, and just, you know, build this amazing life. And, um, and, and when I think about you too, and I always say this to people when they're like, Oh, you know, Laura Coons. And, and it's just, I feel like you, you're one of the most genuine people I know, um, and just such an open warm heart. And, and I think that comes forth in the work that you do. And that's why you're so good at what you do. Right. And cause this is hard work that we do. We're, you know, it's 24, seven, 365. I mean, we're answering the phone no matter what. And, and when people need help, we're there to help them. And, and it doesn't matter if we're, you know, out with our family and having a family day, we, we, we pick up the phone. So, you know, I think that it takes a special person to do what, what you're doing. And, um, but also I think that like, not everybody operates the way that you do and you're so collaborative and you know when people need resources or this or that i mean you always go above and beyond to make sure that you're you're really connecting people with the best possible resources which is awesome Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I will say in addition to working for great organizations throughout my career, I've had great mentors throughout my career mm. that I've really I've really tried to attach myself and only stay attached to those that I admire what they have and I admire how they operate. And, um, you know, I remember uh, I was actually an executive coach that I had probably four or five years ago now, really hammered. And she had a clinical background and she had owned treatment centers and she hammered it into me like, Laura, this is only about the patient. Only. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. Mm Anything else, she said, stop the dinners, stop the marketing materials, stop it all. Like it's only about the patient. Yeah. So that that really, not not to say the work I'd done prior wasn't that, but it really just, you know, took it to the next level of, of commitment. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and so kind of change shifting gears a little bit, I'd love to kind of go into, you know, some of the work you do at Futures and maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, Futures in, in general. And, and you know, obviously we uh, here at New Waters work with you guys quite a bit. We send a lot of clients down down to y'all and, and it's a, a fantastic program. So, you know, the, the goal really of this podcast is to, to provide resources to families. Right. And, and I think this is a great resource that people need to know about. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, I've personally been at, at Futures for, for eight years. I found a really good home there because there's a really um, serious commitment to excellence there in, in everything that we do. They do not cut corners. They reinvest in the programming. And that that's something that I can continue to stand behind and, and deliver us as a resource to people. So, you know, we're a 105-bed dually licensed behavioral health care provider. We treat adults 18 and over. We are blessed to have a beautiful nine acre campus in Tequesta, Florida, about a quarter mile from the coast, from the ocean. And it's a really solid community. So people coming to Futures are introduced to a really solid recovery community, uh, which I think is important. I think it's similar in Raleigh. I think that's so important for where the locations of these centers are is there, you know, it's a lot of people, it's their first introduction to any of this. So to Mm -hmm. have that supportive community that, um, you know, the meetings are either coming in or they're going out to the meetings, that's important as well. But the big thing with futures is we provided holistic care before that really became a big thing. And, you know, having that clinical medical and wellness piece is essential. And like I said, we have the, the resources to back that up, meaning the, 
the different types of services that are offered at Futures, um, the individualization that we do. I think those are all the things that stand out. We also have four different programs within those 105 beds, which especially after COVID has been a game changer for us feeling like we're really fulfilling our mission. We're duly licensed to treat both primary substance use and mental health disorders. So, right. you know, in addition to that core program that we've always had that treats, you know, dual diagnosis, but the primary substance use disorder, we also have on our second floor, a primary mental health program for mm-hmm. somebody with or without a, a substance use or even a history of substance use. On our third floor, we have the concierge wellness program, which is that small, intimate, more private setting for a higher net worth, higher achieving individual that has a completely different set of needs than the average um, individual walking around. So, um, you know, like I said, I think having that diversity of programming also is something that makes us makes us exceptional. I agree. Yeah. So, uh, Laura, how do people find out about treatment resources when they don't know what is going on? And part of the, the background for this question is a lot about my own personal experience. So I'm, I'm a psychiatrist. I've been practicing for 20 years. And up until my, my deep dive into the world of addiction medicine with New Waters Recovery, even at many other addiction-focused facilities, we really thought about detox and then you'll go back to outpatient. Mm-hmm. And like, and it, we just normalize the idea that you'll do detox, outpatient relapse, and you, you'll just stay in that cycle. And the ethos for a lot of people is you just have to go through it a certain number of times, and eventually you'll find your way. Yeah. Um, right. But my experience working with the amazing aftercare team here at, at New Waters is that's not true. Uh, you know, if you if you detox. And you have a solid aftercare plan that involves a deep dive at the residential level. Your chances of long-term success are much greater, actually. Um, but I feel like this is almost like a secret. Like not that many people know about it. And yeah. if other people wanted to find their way to a place like Futures, like what's some advice you could give them on how to learn about all the amazing resources that are actually out there? Is it is it a secret, or is it just that? families don't want to address like the magnitude of the situation, right? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, and they think, okay, we're just yeah. going to cut these, we're going to cut this corner and, you know, we're, th- we're going to try this way because it's the easier, softer way. And if that doesn't work, then we'll take your suggestions, <laughs> right? Right, definitely. And, and, you know, eventually that that ends up being, you know, the situation where we have somebody come back to, you know, third time we're like, you know, we can't really take you back after this because we're kind of part of the problem at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And you're not taking yeah. suggestions. You're not taking our, our aftercare, you know, planning seriously. So, you know, what are we really doing here, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And we run into that a lot here, but I'd love to hear your your thoughts on that too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I also think that historically this pocket of, of health care was not always seen as health care, you know, um, so in any other healthcare sector, you're going to your network and you're asking for recommendations and you're asking for referrals of who's done good work, of who knows who. But, you know, especially prior to 2020, we had such a massive stigma that has been, you know, the roof has been blown off of it because of COVID. Although, in my experience, the roof was blown off of the mental health health stigma. 
We mm-hmm. still have mm-hmm. one with substance use disorders, you know? So mm-hmm. it, in all my work now with, with the new company, even my outreach for futures, I really do emphasize that mental health piece just to open the conversation, to get yeah. people to, to hear me and to not have that, that guard up and all the stigma that comes with talking about substance use disorder. So I guess my answer to that is I've encouraged so many people to, to go to their network and ask questions, stay away from the internet to this day. That's still my recommendation, but I always welcome that conversation of how people find the treatment provider, because it shouldn't be any different of how you find your primary health, you know, your primary doctor, Mm -hmm. you're asking people that, you know, you're talking about it. You know, it's, it's what we've done um, in our own brains with, with stigma, which is why it doesn't work that way. Always. Mm -hmm. Totally. Uh, and when people do call the number, and, and I think that's one thing I'm really just like excited about with the podcast is we can just say, go to the website, call the admissions phone. Like any good treatment center will, if if it's not a good fit for that center, they will help you go to another place. So call any yeah. admissions line; they will help you, which is outrageous to me because mm-hmm. I didn't know that this was such <laughs> a widely available resource. It, it seems hidden, but it's actually yeah. just right there in front of all of us. And I think the podcast is just an opportunity to tell people, Google it, call the number. If it's not a good fit, a good program will help you find another program. Like yeah. you got nothing to lose um, by by reaching out. But that's the key. A good program will help you find another program. <laughs> right. Right? So I you, love that. You have to make sure that you're calling a good program. Right. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, we on a daily basis, we're just not a fit for people. But I don't get off the phone and say, sorry, you know, wish you luck. You know, mm-hmm. it's okay. Here's four other resources that are probably going to work better for you. Mm-hmm. And, and if that doesn't work, give me a call back, you know. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And it's important, so, you know. And Graham, you know, with, with what you and I have done all these years too, it's so nice to know somebody at that program to connect somebody to, you know, you're 100%. being able to, being able to speak to it and having those resources in your arsenal that you, that you know, that you've asked questions about that you're, you know, paying attention to the work that they're doing, not just you like their logo or you mm-hmm. met somebody at a conference or you, you know, you're asking questions about those other <laughs> providers and being responsible yeah. about it and really making the most specific and appropriate referral that you can. We talk about that all the time at, at Futures. I talk to my colleagues about that at Futures, our outreach team, that if your conversation's not focused on the specifics of what we're doing at Futures, it's the wrong mm. conversation. People yeah. need to know who to refer here. Sometimes they get one chance. Also, the Mm. professionals who are referring to programs like ours, those families are hiring them and they're investing a lot of time, a lot of money and a lot of hope that they Mm -hmm. they are sending their loved one to the right place. So I think as behavioral health care providers, it's absolutely our responsibility and a very big one to share not just our resources on, oh, here's New Waters and this is what we do in, a, in an elevator pitch, but to have mm-hmm. the specific information. I mean, Graham, when you sent me the list of what you guys are providing in that assessment, I, I didn't care that it didn't have the logo on it yet. I've sent that to people because that's what they want to know. Right. They need mm-hmm. to know that to, to yeah. send their loved one here or to send their client here or to send, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So. 100%. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's powerful, you know, work that we do, and it's uh, it's uh, taxing, it's draining, and um, you know, but it's amazing when you see that light turn back on in, in people's <laughs> eyes. You know, there's nothing better than that. So, um, you know, and and that's why kind of the alumni work is so cool too, because we can see the clients come back, and we can see them, you know, living their life again and have this new lease on life, and it makes it all worth it. All those uh, late nights. <laughs> so, oh my gosh! But, totally. Uh, but I would love to, you know, talk a little bit about Spirience. Um, and this is, you know, your new venture that, that you've really launched uh, at Futures. And, and it's a little bit different than, than kind of the typical treatment um, that we talk about on, on this podcast. So I would love to. But I think it's amazing benefit for corporations and, and companies and all that. So let's talk a little bit about that, too. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, Spirience was launched earlier this year. It is a sister company to Futures. So Futures is family owned by a family office. And, you know, they um, have a history in the military housing and, and off-campus student housing space. And at one point, I believe they were the largest owners of off-campus military housing and student housing. And they would specialize in, you know, building those large properties, um, you know, uh, luxury and, and, and nice for, for the lower cost. And so when they decided they have, you know, um, they have a real passion for wellness and for recovery as a family. It was something that was very important to them to go help people. And so they launched Futures, which is under their um, is GMH Ventures. So they have the, you know, the, the GMH communities and then they have GMH Ventures now. So we're under the Ventures um, umbrella. And Futures is is currently their only facility. It's they've owned and operated it for 11 years, and like I said, they've done it well. That's just their commitment to excellence. That's how they built their reputation in the military housing and and still the reputation in the off-campus student housing space is their commitment to excellence. Um, so they brought that into the behavioral health healthcare space, and. You know, a couple years ago, our owner and, and founder, Mike Holloway, who's, who's my boss, um, started to gain interest in, in employers and what employers were doing on the behavioral health care side. And this was through a futures lens because, mm-hmm. you know, they've owned and operated these other companies and they're phenomenal business owners and understand that whole world. And the fact that there was such a disconnect between the corporate world and behavioral health care. And to the point of what we were talking about earlier, the fact that there's such a disconnect between the world and behavioral health care, you know, we yeah. just kind of have this little bubble, um, yeah. you know, was fascinating to him. So, you know, really primarily he and I, a few others, but primarily he and I started to do a lot of outreach into corporate America, talking to larger organizations, talking to, to C-suites at you know, small, medium and, and large companies and learning what their current solutions were. Now, right about a year into that, and we had contracted with a few, we, you know, for futures, but the utilization is just really so low um, in terms of our levels of care for, for employers. A great way to look at it is this, a recent study last year and from what I've seen, all the research and development for this, these are the numbers across the board. But 25% of the average employer uh, employee base is, is in need of clinical services of some level. Hmm. So that's outpatient up to um, residential, up to acute care. 
75% need the subclinical support. They need wellness services. They need education. They need prevention. From that 25% that need clinical support, there's 25% of those that will actually be in a, in a critical situation and need a resource like a detox or need a resource like, um, you know, an acute care facility if it's mental health. So that's generally how it still looks. Um, so prior to COVID and all the research we were doing then, you would see companies having a solution for that 25%. They would have an EAP, which mm -hmm. provides outpatient clinical services. They can make recommendations to the higher level of care. But most were not investing in that other 75%. The stigma was still alive and well. We just need to stop the bleeding on the spending side when somebody does have a chronic issue. Same with any other chronic healthcare issue and employers looking at that. They're identifying centers of excellence, say heart conditions, diabetes. They're just trying to stop the financial bleeding of their healthcare right. plan for the individuals who have those chronic conditions. COVID hit. And, and most of these... And most of these corporations are all self-funded plans, and these are large corporations. Mm -hmm. So obviously, um, that's a little bit of a different animal, you know, in those situations. Very much. They can write their ticket yeah. in terms of what their healthcare looks like to employees. Um, but yeah. there was such a disconnect between our world, and still is, but we're getting there, you know, um, and and what they were offering to employees. So. COVID hits, and it, it was so interesting because we were already a year into this, you know, a year and a half into this when 2020 came around. So 2020 comes around and it became a completely different conversation with the employers and organizations we were talking to prior because mental health became the thing that every employer knew they needed to offer. We then saw the great resignation come in and, you know, so you've got people resigning due to burnout. You have a whole new generation of employees, rock star employees coming out of colleges that are saying, what are these employee benefits look like? I want to be taken care of. I want work-life mm -hmm. balance. I, what are you doing for mental health? This whole new generation is very hot on mental health, which is amazing. You know, And they will ask, and they have no problem asking for, for no. what they want. No, right? they they're, do they're not. They're not shy. Nope. Yep. And they're really putting the, the pressure on and, and forcing the hand of employers yep. to, to, to create a more broad solution and look at that other 75%. So the evolution has gone like this. So it started, you've got the EAPs and they're focusing on that 25. Then you see the rise of these companies that are fairly comparable to Spirit's. And they're offering digital solutions. You've got Silicon Valley rushed into this space years ago, not years ago, but four or five years ago and, and a few more, you know, mm -hmm. uh, during COVID. And, you know, they're bringing behavioral health care experts on to, to build out their programming. But it really became then a digital because if you're offering an employee benefit, it's to a large group. Um, mm -hmm. Not always, you know, you've got small, medium and large companies, but the solution needs to, to be able to, excuse me, service a large group, um, right. you know, and, and we know what we do at quality for the clinical side, you know, that's, that's not done um, 
at a low cost. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a cost to good healthcare. So, you know, the digital, the rise of the digital era in this in this space um, then took off and still and still exists. And now we're seeing the conversations shift more. Um, here's an interesting statistic. So several studies at the end of last year as well showed that now we have 90% of employers who have expanded services for behavioral health and mental health for their employees. But then you still have, it was around 30% of employees saying they're, they don't feel any more support from their employers. So you have the employers who put in the effort, um, but, but you know, that's because the, the 75% of them aren't going to utilize the therapy that's being offered. You know, they're, they're right. not there. They're not there yet. They either right. don't need it, they don't understand it, they'll call once and it's their first experience with it and it's too uncomfortable for them. Um, it's something we really take for granted in the behavioral healthcare space that we understand this terminology, that we are comfortable getting vulnerable, that we are, the majority of, of the world is not. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Spearance was created to to bridge that gap. It was created for that 75%, um, yeah. you know, the subclinical services with our behavioral he- healthcare expertise and in- infused in that. So it's a digital platform that they can access as part of their benefits, correct? With a, a library of um, uh, seminars or, you know, to talk us through like what's actually part of the service. Yeah, so we have th- we have eight products total at Spearance, but we have three core products. It's our virtual mental well-being library. So that's over 100 educational modules on various cutting-edge mental health topics like family. That of you origin. guys all created. Mm-hmm. PTSD or trauma. Yeah. So you know we're the sister company of futures and we have all of this wonderful talent and passion and expertise at futures not just in our full-time employees but in our network and our contractors and our so we tap that and they um, have helped us create this incredible library that you know um, the part of that 75 percent of the population would watch a video on a topic like ptsd or trauma and better understand what they might need. Really, the goal is self-awareness. The goal is empowerment, and the goal is motivating them towards action, whatever that might look like for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. love it. Um, That's great. Our, yeah, our other two products are um, the family educational webinars and support sessions. We have, you know, like I said, this amazing, um, these amazing resources at Futures with family support experts that have done this for 30 plus years and it's their life's work and their passion. And so to be able to package that and really take the best of the best and feed that to the employee base, that's, that's what we do. So they're offered weekly to the employers that sign on and the employees can come in and it's a webinar. So it's confidential and we're giving them our best, the best of the best of behavioral health care, you know, um, of what we've learned and what our, our Spearance team knows and just trying to affect change. Um, the mm-hmm. final are, you know, similar. We do the live and recorded webinars. So we strategically choose topics that we know most employees sitting at the average company are, are dealing with. 
Um, you know, they might not know it and their employer might not know it, but we know it because, yeah. you know, we see it walk through our door 20 years later when it's not educated and, <laughs> and prevented. So, you know, we strategically choose, um, choose those topics with some wellness and general workplace mental health topics mixed in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I think that's so great. Uh, what I see with insurance companies is they they think that health is the absence of disease, right? And so anything less than a diagnostic disease is not a problem. But yeah. this is like strange thinking because it, you have to believe that disease spontaneously comes out of nowhere, but it's probably <laughs> been brewing over decades and decades and then finally becomes clinical. I mean, very similar to what we do in, in addiction medicine. Uh, you know, is your if you drink one serving a day, is this an alcohol use disorder? Like technically, probably no. Um, but for some reason, when it gets to six, is this a problem? Probably twelve, yes. definitely. Um, right. And but how did you get to twelve? Like, what was going on in the years of your life before you got to that moment? Yeah. And the insurance companies, they don't have any interest in doing things for you when you're in the one Benedict. to five range. Yeah. Right. But once it's six right. or more, okay, you know, maybe now we'll start to pay for visits. Maybe now we'll start to pay for treatment. And so this is like your 75% here who's not really clinically uh, clinical, but yep. but eventually they're going to become, that, that 25% came from this 75%. So why not do things preventatively? <laughs> yeah. I, that's such a great example for that. And actually one of our most popular videos in the library is, sober curiosity and mindful drinking. Because if you think about it, the average person doesn't have the terminology to talk about mm-hmm. what they might be going through, what they might be pondering, um, what they might be worrying about, you know, that a loved mm-hmm. one has has a gambling problem, but they have, you know, they're, they can Google, but, you know, really hearing it from a clinician that's, you know, done, um, treated thousands of people with, with gambling addiction. So it's, it's reaching them and giving them the language to talk about it, to even know yes. what they need. Yes. So if they're mm-hmm. tapping, you know, say they're, they're then going and tapping their network and saying, hey, I, I actually do think that I need therapy for this. Do you know anybody? Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't even know what the this is. Right. You have no idea. Right. And, and even if, once you do therapy, what is a good therapist? Like, how do I make the most of my time with the therapist? So like in general, my sense of things is health literacy in general is so low, right? I mean, we, we talked about at the beginning, uh, you know, what, uh, not only is it hard to find good healthcare, many people are in denial that they need it, right? So they normalize, they minimize their problems. Uh, and a lot of it is actually, they don't even know, like they don't know that this is, this behavior is actually a, a, a really big red flag that five years, 10 years down the line, they're going to have a, a huge health problem, like a huge health crisis that then leads to them calling the number and going for detox and going to residential. So like, why not increase the health literacy of people so that they don't have all this suffering and all this loss? Um, like I, I was watching an interview with Peter Atia. Yeah, I just wrote this incredible book called Outlive. And it sounds like he went to residential treatment for uh, family of origin trauma in his 40s. And he says that it saved his life. Hmm. Like he said, I would, I would have died had I not gone to, to done that 
residential treatment for my family of origin trauma, but he didn't know that it was an issue for decades. Like he didn't know until he had a major crisis in life. And a lot of people don't even know that you can go to treatment for something like that. (laughs) Right? Right. Literacy is so low. Yes. Yeah. And you talk about like onsite and the work that they do. And, and, you know, we all, uh, I think all have our own experiences at onsite and, and, um, you know, and it's just an incredible tool and resource and that just people don't really know about, like, you know, you can go and do an incredible five day trauma workshop and, and come out, you know, a, a different person, you know, That's absolutely, um, absolutely. so, you know, it's, it's powerful stuff. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I get really excited when our clients decide to go to futures because I know that they're going to do the trauma work because uh, that's, to me, this is the root cause of it all, right? They experience mm-hmm. something early in life that says it's not safe to be in reality and alcohol is a great way to unplug. And yeah. and that that core belief of like, how do I be connected to reality safely? Like until you do that through trauma work, uh, you know, your chances, uh, it's going to be so much harder. You know, so why not hard. go to the root of it all? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And rip it out. Where there is trauma, there is substance use. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Hong usually says. Um, and I think, too, like on that trauma piece, I mean, people just don't really know what trauma is. They think, oh, they associate trauma mm-hmm. with I was sexually abused or, you know, all these horrific things that can happen to you. And, and that's not necessarily the case, right? It depends on it could be something that somebody said to you and you internalized a certain way and it just affected you in, in, in a really negative way. And. You know, there could, it could be a million different things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, like, you know, um, recalibrating people's understanding of what trauma is, too, is important. Yes. Uh, you know? There's mm-hmm. so much power in the educational piece. Um, you know, especially, um, you know, in, in the setting that we're doing in an experience where it's done, it's it's on demand and it's self-paced and it's done in the privacy of of, you know, their own home or office. So it's... You know, they're being able to either having that space to digest it. It's not being forced on them in a a conversation. It's not, you know, I think that that matters too. people giving people the autonomy to learn, giving people the the space to Mm -hmm. learn it at their own pace and and plant those seeds. I mean, I think about it, what we do every day even at the levels of care at Futures and, and New Waters. And that's so much of what we're doing. We're planting the seeds. But to your point, Dr. Ong, I mean, it gets to the point where, you know, somebody's so, so in it and so um, sick. And so, you know, <laughs> that I, I love, um, I love your comment about not ignoring the, the red flags. And mm-hmm. anyway. Yep. Yeah, it's just that it's normal. Like we live in a world where it's normal to have a hundred red flags in your daily life, and oh, like that's fine. Nice that's life. right? I, I was uh, mistreated or disrespected by someone I work with. Like, oh, look, you know, welcome to like real life. You know, <laughs> right. just grow up. Uh, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, deal with up. it. Shut up and do your job. Right, right. Don't ask questions. Just do your job, and yeah, mm-hmm. I and mean, that's not sustainable. <laughs> Right. To, to be in that environment. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the challenge for uh, like our generation is not only like learning how to be healthy, but unlearning all of our, our dysfunctional understandings of like what is health. Because um, most people think uh, like if I don't have diabetes, I'm fine. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm depressed, but I'm still going to work, I'm fine. Very common in men. Right. So if, yeah. if I'm going to work, if I'm bringing home the paycheck, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's all I need. Uh, but in the back of their mind, many men are thinking, am I the dad that I want to be? 100%. Yeah. 
And I don't know how you can be the dad you want to be unless you're being a healthy person that's going to show your kids how to be healthy people. Such a solid point. Love that too. Love that. Well, we are coming up to the end of our time here, and uh, so I wanted to, and I think that's just a great, a great place to end it here. And we could talk for hours on this topic, but hopefully, people got you know a couple little tidbits there that were helpful. And um, you know, Laura, thank you so much for having us. Now, do you want to just plug your website? You want to spell your website out so people can locate futures and spirits? Oh, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's www.futuresrecoveryhealthcare.com. And on the spirit side, it's www.spirinswellness.com. That's S-P-I-R-E-N-C-E. Fantastic. Um, thanks again for having us, Doc, as always. Thanks for having, yeah. uh, having, having you on great. and appreciate thanks, it. Laura. We'll, we'll talk thanks, soon. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Thank you. We'll talk okay. soon. Bye now. Bye.